Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. be with you guys. Uh, I won't tell you that we flew through Auckland yesterday, that uh, that place, and I forgot to bring my leper bell, uh, having flown through Auckland yesterday. Um, we, we did do it very quickly, okay? So we shot in at Auckland and got straight down here. So, um, and here we are. I sh- probably shouldn't have told you that, but yeah, I'm an honest guy. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's about eight, nine months. Well, it was probably only six months since I was last here. Yeah, that's just the third, third time that I have uh, come and spoken here. I really enjoy coming here. I actually feel like I come and hang out with all my friends uh, when I come here uh, because lots of them are here and I'm making new friends every time I come. Um, I'll try not to marry people to the wrong people uh, today. Uh, we'll try and, you know. And, uh, and Josh has told me that you are activate, not elevate. Okay, so I've got that right. Cool? Awesome. Great. There we go. Uh, those of you, how many people have never met me before? I'm like the new guy, yeah, Jared Van Berkel, of course, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, so I'm just going to, yeah, you stay there. Um, well, look, I am on a mission uh, to bring heaven to earth, that, that's kind of what my life is about, I come from a theological perspective that people are phenomenal, how could you not be phenomenal when you are created in the image of God? So you won't find me talking about people being dirty, rotten sinners. No, we were, we were saved, we are now phenomenal, okay? We always were phenomenal, but just a few things that kind of got stuck to us. Jesus' blood sort of sorted that out so that we can be phenomenal. So we're here to do phenomenal things, okay? Uh, And I was just looking back at the last message that I spoke about when I was here, and it was about leading a spirit-led life. So last year, something God really spoke to me and unpacked and said, look, the message I want you to take to any church that you speak at this year is that we need to be led by the Spirit. You know, things change so quickly. Last night, the, the four of us are sitting there on the couches, bang, the climate in New Zealand changes, we're straight into rearrange our life mode. Josh is rearranging his holiday and resorting flights. I'm now thinking about my car that is now stuck in Auckland that they were supposed to pick up tomorrow and drive around and how we're going to get that back. And, uh, and then I've got two shops with uh, 35 staff between them. And I knew that I was about to get a whole bunch of, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? So I was like, straight on, I've got to be the voice that they hear first. Uh, and so we're, we're sorting that out, and then Josh is sending an email out to all of you. We, we, we have to be spirit-led people. In this climate, in this age, it's never been more important. You act, I, I, I just wouldn't want to do life without Jesus. I just wouldn't. Uh, and so then when I hear about your team uh, your term theme or your year theme um, and the fact that you're looking at what is a humble person, I was really stoked uh, because, as Josh um, said, a humble person recognises that they can't do anything without God. I am the vine, you are the branches, if you remain in me, you'll bear fruit. Uh, so I was, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to hear that that is now what you are talking about Um, I personally have never walked in a greater intimacy with Jesus than I have in the past two years. Ironically, 
I am not in what you would call vocational ministry for the first time in the last two years. Uh, I'm running a gelato shop and I'm running a burger shop. Uh, and um, I, my life prior to that was that I was a youth worker as part of a church uh, with this awesome man here. Uh, then I was a associate pa- assistant pastor, associate pastor, senior pastor, and then I went off and joined MAF and became a missionary. Uh, and then God called us back to New Zealand. I thought my second half of my life was going to be out with MAF, taking the good news, taking doctors, medical teams, all those sorts of things into places where it was really difficult to get them. And God called me back and said, your next assignment's in Whangarei. Uh, and so I have stepped out of what you would term vocational ministry because I actually believe that we are all in ministry. There's no separation. Um, So that's why I talk about vocational ministry, that I've stepped out of that, but I'm I'm still, I'm more in ministry than I've ever been. Uh, And I've found that I have to, that I'm walking with a greater intimacy with God than I have ever walked. So there you go. Take that one and think about that. So like if you're, if you are, well, probably most of you are, out there in the marketplace, maybe you run a business, maybe you're a teacher, policeman, whatever it may be, I don't know, Um, you're in ministry. You are in ministry. Every single day we are in ministry. We are about bringing the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. I want to encourage you with that. Okay, did you hear what I just said? You've got a guy who'd been in vocational ministry for 25 years, then steps out and says, actually, I've never been in ministry more than I have in the rest of my life. I want to encourage you with that um, because, I don't know, we, we can just get this crazy idea that it's the pastors up the front and, you know, our, our, our ministry is second rate. No, there's no second rate ministry uh, with God. I was in worship today and... God reminded me of a time when I was in Arnhem Land and said, share the story. So I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to share the story because I have no idea why he wants me to share the story. Um, But as a line pilot, what I would do is that I would fly from Aboriginal community to settlement to town uh, on a daily basis, and I would take goods from one place to the other, or people, or I'd take out a medical team, or I'd take some teachers to the to the school. And so we're flying into little wee um, villages that, you know, they maybe have uh, 60, 80, maybe 120 people there. Uh, there's an airstrip, there might be a little school, and there might be a wee clinic. So that was, you know, a day-to-day basis for me. Then we had a number of what we would call... Um, you know, major settlements where they might have like sort of 500 and they were nice to land at because they had a tarsial strip and there was a bigger medical centre and, you know, they generally had expats um, who were based there. And so on this particular day, we had gone to relieve at one of these, uh, one of these settlements uh, and so we'd taken the whole family out there for a week and uh, I, the first couple of days, actually, I had very little flying to do. Uh, so I was 
doing all these other boring jobs. But the call came in one morning to shoot over to Elko Island and to pick something up there. Uh, and so I thought, great, cool, we got the plane ready. Maddie, my oldest boy, he was there with me. And I said, I've just got to do a quick flight to Elko and back. Do you want to come? There's space in the plane. So he jumped on board. We got to Elko Island, and the team in Elko Island then lined me up with another flight. So I flew into this little wee 120 settlement. They had a funeral going on at the time, and there were 80 people at the runway when I landed, and every single one of them wanted to hop on my plane. And I had a, a bit of a dilemma because I had to work out who I was actually supposed to pick up because I think it was a health um, uh, a, a person I was picking up to go to a health appointment. And so, you know, there'd be some funny games that would be played and sometimes you'd take entirely the wrong person to the place and then the health people wouldn't be very happy with you. Um, so I, I was trying to work this out um, and one of the school teachers who had gone to live in the middle of nowhere and educate these young children in this middle-of-nowhere place. She came out to me and she said, have you brought the oranges? And I was like, I, I haven't. But I don't know anything about oranges other than that they're orange. And she said, oh, she said, Frontier, which is another airline, were supposed to bring uh, about three boxes of oranges for us from Alco three days ago, they've been coming in and landing and taking off and they have not brought the oranges. So I was really hoping you might. She said, I've got these children and they haven't eaten for three days. And the reason that everyone was at the airstrip was because they'd been there for the funeral and then they'd all run out of food. And so, you know, they were getting pretty hungry and they were desperate to get off, to get over to Elko to at least try to bring some food back or not go back to Elko, uh, back to the um, Aboriginal homeland. Uh, so I said to her, I said, look, tell me a little bit more about this. She said, yep, they're in Elko somewhere at the airport. There's just something that made me extremely passionate that day is that I was like, I don't care what else I do today, I want to get those oranges back here to the children. But by, by the time I got back to Alco, I was then sent off in another direction, and then I was sent off in another direction. And I didn't land back in Alco again uh, till about five o'clock that night. Fortunately, I'd left Maddie there, so I had a good excuse to go back to Alco uh, and pick him up. He'd been sitting in the office for eight hours, uh, probably bored out of his tree, because he was only going there for, you know, ten minutes. Uh, and so I... I picked up Maddie and I saw three boxes of oranges and I went, I'm going to get those oranges. The flight path, this, this settlement was under the flight path from Elko back to the settlement where we were relieving. I thought, there's no problem, I can shoot in there, drop the oranges off. Hey. I pick up the three oranges. The oranges hadn't gone rotten, they'd just softened. And some of them had split. And in the tropics, that's what happened. So I picked them up, and orange juice just goes all down the front of me. So I was like, that's a good moment right there. But anyway, I got these three boxes of oranges onto the plane, landed, uh, had to very quickly get the oranges off. The school teacher must have come down. I can't remember now, but she must have come down, got the oranges, and I got back just before uh, my cutoff, my last light cutoff uh, back to the settlement that we were in. 
Uh, I am the vine, you are the branches, and you know, if you stay in me, you'll bear fruit. Um, and that was just what God kind of tied in for me this morning. And this is the essence of the story, is that I was doing a lot of really important flying that day. I was doing a lot of things that you would have said, you know, this is ministry. Uh, but actually the thing that I still think counted most that day and one of my most memorable experiences on that day was getting the oranges to these kids. And my sense is that there are a number of people here who you think that the work that you are doing is insignificant. That it's kind of like, you know, there's the, there's the, the big ministry and then there's the stuff that you are doing. And I believe what God wants to say to you today is that taking the oranges to some children is really important. If that's you today, where you are just feeling like, actually, some of the stuff that I do, it just, it just, it just seems so insignificant, yet, you know, secretly down inside, I know it's important. Can you just stand? Because I want to pray for you, and I want to honour you today. So if that story just resonated with you, and, and you believe that was a story you need to hear today, uh, just stand. Just stand. Thanks, Steve. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done to each one of you standing right now. Well done. I, just, I feel like I am coming on behalf of the Father this morning and saying thank you. 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 The person up the back just holding the... Bubba there, I I just believe this is really significant and important for you. And that is the Father says thank you. The Father says thank you to you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Steve, thank you. Thank you. There's no second-rate ministry. If you are doing what Jesus is asking you to do, that's all he asks. So well done, good and faithful servants. I honour you today. I honour you today. I just feel the Father's pleasure. Uh, He wanted you to hear that story, and he wanted you to feel valued and honoured today. So well done. Awesome. Please be seated. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Oh, yay. It's cool just to partner with Jesus. Um, I want to invite you just to read Ephesians 2. Verses 8 to 10. So most of you have probably got a mobile device. Some of you may have one of those old-fashioned things with paper in it. Um, Harrison specially brought his there this morning. Uh, And so just read that. Just take a moment and just read that to yourself. Um, I haven't put it up on screen. We won't put it up on screen. If If you haven't got something to read, it will just peer over your neighbor's shoulder. 
um, just tap them on the shoulder, ask if you can just read it as well. So Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. Okay, um, I hear that Josh is doing this radical thing in here where you're actually talking about interacting and making disciples that go and make disciples, pretty radical thought. Uh, what is that, what jumps out at you when you read that passage? Give me, give me some things that jump out. Purpose? Purpose? Purpose as in we have purpose. There is, yep. Specific. Individual and specific purpose. I like it, yeah. Real good, real good. Yep, yep. Not by works. Yeah, real good. Yep. We are God's handiwork. Isn't that a cool picture? That we're crafted by the King of Kings? Wow. There's value right there. Awesome, cool, this is great, people. What, what, what's that? By faith. Yeah, yeah, by faith. Awesome. Cool. Prepared in advance, yeah. Yeah, so there's kind of like there's an assignment that he's already got ready for you and I to go and take some oranges somewhere. Yeah. Faith is a, faith is a gift. Good one. Faith is a gift. Yep. Anything else you want? To, I think you've hit the key points there. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, yeah. Well done. That's that's cool. It's just it's just a really cool passage to unpack and to look at. And I invite you just you know this week just keep looking uh, into that um, passage. Uh, Harrison was actually a plant, and um, and uh, he 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 knocked it straight off the bat. There is that faith as a gift. That's one of the things I really want to pull out of that today, is that it's a gift. It's something that has been given to us. So we look at that passage and we go, okay, it's not by works, and then it goes on and talks about, but we've been given this gift of faith in order that we can do works. It's pretty cool, eh? So we, we, we don't do the works to earn it, but we do the works from the gift of faith that we have been given. I, I love that. You know, when I see cool things happen from my life, I go, well, it comes from that gift that God gave me. Apart from him, I can do nothing. Wow. If I want to do something significant and important and have eternal value, it comes from this gift that he has given to me. That is so cool. Now, um, I've got a couple of scriptures up here on the screen, because I, I want to take this a little bit uh, further. We'll actually take Hebrews 11 verse 1, um, which I've actually asked deliberately to come from the New King James, because I like the way that it puts it. The NOV talks about, now faith is the confidence I like the way that the New King James and a few other versions have captured it and said it's a substance. Because to me, you know, as a logical, 
male brain, I suppose you might want to say, uh, is that I, I like something that is tangible and I can work the logic through. So now when I see that faith is a substance, to me that means that it is something that is tangible. That's why I love it, okay? So I've been given this gift of faith, which is a substance which is tangible, And it's the evidence, this substance is the evidence of things that I hope for. So if I go back to when I started the gelato shop, uh, I stepped out of that having heard clearly from God. He had worked with me and said, whatever you put your hands to, I will bless. The reason that I'm, I'm starting businesses and will hopefully start another one or two businesses this year uh, is because actually I have... I believe that God has said to me that by 2023, that our personal income is to be $520,000. That's the first step that we're looking for. Why is it $520,000? Well, it's because I'd really like to have a nice boat. All the religious spirits just ran out the door. I actually would, uh, but I'm pretty happy with the wee speedboat that I've got at the moment. Um, <laughs> I actually really like it. But actually, the thing for Ruth and I is that for 25 years, we worked in vocational ministry. We were missionaries. We worked with young people who had trouble past. We've been called to a place in the country which actually still has a little bit of third world in it. There's plenty of need. And actually, we want to put dollars and cents to where there's some serious need in our nation and also in the nations around the world. And we want to be able to go unfettered, unchained into places around the globe and help them with the gifts that we believe God has given them, which uh, uh, many are around strategy and enlargement. So that's, that, that's why we're doing what we're doing. But it started with us getting a word that, yes, this is what we God was like, what do you want to do? I was like, here's an idea. He went, great, let's do it. Okay, and then I made sure that I had a word of a word of a word I could stand on, so I climbed up onto Mount Irons in Wanaka uh, in, in um, the middle of winter, and I said, right, God, we need to, we, we, I need this word that I have heard, that it doesn't matter what happens, I can go back and I can go, I heard God there. Mount Irons is a busy, uh, busy mountain, there were people all up on top, I said, right, God, I'm here to hear from you. And Mount Irons completely cleared off. All the people just started walking off the mountain. This is, this is like a Moses moment for me. And then God spoke. I heard him so clearly. I was like, okay, you're in this. And then people came back up the mountain. <laughs> it was just one of those beautiful moments. Uh, so that's where it started from. And then it took us putting everything we had into it. So at the time, we, we had sold our house prior to coming back, and uh, we'd already used a big chunk of our um, asset base for me to train as a pilot. Um, and so on the 30th of November, we opened the store in faith. <laughs> Who knows that, that when you open a store, when you go into business, you do it in faith. Some people would say you do it with a belief, but... This is where we sat, 2.13 in the morning that we were opening. I took a photo of our bank balance, 
our personal account had $71 in it. Our business account had $49 in it. And our credit card, which has a $22,000 limit, had $41 left available on it. I've got the photo. I can show you the photo. Um, there we go. Now some people are freaking out about credit card debt. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just here to stir that. Um, I don't recommend that. Uh, the shop costs $30,000 more to fit out than we thought it was ever going to. Um, and uh, and that's, we were so far down the track that we had to spend that money. And, uh, and we did it in faith, going, okay, God, you said, whatever we put our hands to, you're going to bless. Um, and fortunately, people came and brought our gelato that first day. And I can remember getting to the Monday, and all the money goes into the bank, and I looked in the bank, and there was $5,000. I was like, yes! But I was holding on to that substance that I had been given, that whatever you put your hands to, I will bless. So that's the substance that I'm holding on to, believing to step out and do what we were doing. And so... um, you know, you may, you may find it like if you're looking to step out into signs, wonders, and miracles, well, then you're, you're already stepping from an automatic inheritance as a joint heir with Christ. Is that the substance you carry is that you will go into the world and you will do signs, wonders, and miracles. You will cast out demons. You will heal the sick. That is the substance that we have been given so that we can step out and do those great Works, the handiworks that have been prepared and advanced to do. It's from this substance. So I, um, I started to realize, so I've been on this journey with God over the last six months, and I started to realize that actually sometimes I'm living an activated life where I'm stretching out and my focus is on the handiworks that I believe God wants us to do in terms of generating the money so that we can then go and, uh, and prepare the saints, help equip the saints further for work. So sometimes I'm really like, you know, I'm stretching out and I'm talking to other business people and, and, and then I started to recognize that sometimes I'm not. And generally in those times, it's because I had had to get so focused on what is right in front of me, and most of the time, that was fighting fires. It was either trying to work something through in my head because I was feeling discouraged or, or there was something that had directly gotten behind our shield and I was having to give attention to. But the substance was still there. I still carried the faith for it, but the outworking was not coming from that. Does that make sense? See, I, this, is, this is just kind of how I visualize that faith substance. I, you know, like in those movies where you see like those, gr- those glowing gems and they're kind of like the power. Uh, that's how I kind of visualize the faith that I carry. It's like this glowing green gem that just emanates power. Uh, and it's out of that power that I do the handiworks. I do the good works prepared in advance for me. And so I started to inquire to God, and I'd be walking. Uh, I have this great place where I like to walk, and that's where, you know, when I, when I walk, God talks. 
That, that's, that's our relationship. I love going for God walks. And so I started to talk to him about this. And he said, well, Chris, what are you fight? What, what's stopping you? And I was like, well, it's all the fires that I'm fighting. And he brought me back to the scripture. And do you know what? This is what I love about the Bible. I, have, I don't know how many times I've read that passage. I don't know how many times I've heard people preach on that passage. But never in my life, until the last six months, had flaming arrows stood out to me. Don't you love that with the Bible? It's new every morning. It's impregnated with the Holy Spirit. And it jumped out of me. He said, what are you doing? Fighting fires. He said, what does it talk about in Ephesians 6.16? The flaming arrows of the enemy. So I started going on a journey. I was like, okay, I want to I understand this a little bit more. And so God started to reel to me, actually, what is, a, what is a shield of faith? And so I started to study up on what did these shields look like? And these were pretty phenomenal shields. You know, if you fired a flaming arrow at these things, the arrow wasn't going to get stuck in it and it wasn't going to burn it up. They were designed, they had a double wall in them as well, so that even if the front half did get penetrated, that there was an air gap, and so it still wouldn't get through to the back part of the shield. Fascinating shields, if, you, if you're interested in it, go and have a look at it. And, uh, and so I started to go, okay, what, okay what, is a, what is a shield? You know, we, we know the armour of God, we know the sword of the Spirit, that's pretty awesome, um, but a shield is actually a defensive piece of armour. Agree? Yeah. And so, you know, we went on a bit more of a journey of this. Okay, so what, um, the faith that I carry, the substance to do the great works and the handiworks, is also my shield. It's actually the thing that goes out in front of me. So, it, so I started to get this picture. There's me. There's this faith. There's the shield, and that gap between me and the shield is my is where I'm advancing. So the handiworks kind of fit in the middle of it. The, the shield goes out in front of the handiworks so that I can keep advancing and doing the handiworks. I can keep advancing and doing the good works and taking territory. Now, if we think about the battles that we've seen on, <laughs> on movies... Whatever those movies may be, we've probably all seen. How many people have seen a movie where they've had the shields and they're advancing and there's arrows and fiery arrows coming at them? Yes. Most people? Yeah. Okay, so we can get that picture. And so we think about that picture and we see the army advancing. Where does the enemy train his fiery arrows? That, that's a question. Where does he train them? Where will he aim his fiery arrows? Will he f- okay, will he fire his arrows at the shields? Yeah, that's, that's, that's not his aim. I mean, theatrics on, you know, on the TV, we'll see them hitting the, the shield and that sort of thing. But actually, he's looking to get through the gaps. And, of course, he's looking to come over the top. So you see the Roman army, when they would advance, is they would have shields in front, and then they'd hold the shields that locked over top so that they could move forward, and, and there were, the gaps were closed. But the enemy knows that if he can get one of those fiery arrows in to the gap, then, and we've seen this on movies, you know, we'll see straw huts all of a sudden go up and fire, or a chariot that was back there may go up and fire, and the focus goes from the advancement 
to fighting the fire. It goes from advancement to survival. And we've got to understand that the enemy wants to get through the gaps in our, where our shield is so that he can get us fighting fires. But the last thing he wants is us advancing. Fortunately, God just is totally interested in us advancing. And it doesn't really matter if we've got a word from God what the enemy is firing at us. We've got the word from God, we can keep advancing. So I started to recognize that actually, like the head-on attacks. Okay, so when we open the burger shop uh, and, and we just get negative review after negative review after negative review on Facebook. <laughs> our, first, our first three reviews were just like nasty. And we're just like going, oh dear. And there's a little part of me just wanting to go, uh-oh, we've screwed this up. But actually, really, it didn't affect too much. Because I knew I didn't want to get those reviews inside me because then they'd come out of me. Okay? So I could deal with it. Because that was just a front-on assault. Okay? He's just... He... But then... I realized that there was a secondary wave. Now, generally, like I, I'll say this, uh, um, I don't pay a lot of attention to what the enemy is doing. Okay? If he gets in the way, I'll take him down. But really, I'm actually more interested in what my dad is showing me. Okay? So that's generally how I am. But I've noticed that when you step out and you do big things, you do have some battles to fight. Everyone kind of found the same thing? Yeah, you, there's, there's fresh battles because you're taking new territory. Enemy doesn't want to give up territory. When you're really advancing, smack bang into it, setting the course, setting up a beachhead, you, you're going to get a little bit more flack. So I knew I was getting a little bit more flack. But then a secondary wave came, and I was like, okay, God, what the heck is going on here? And he said, okay, well, Chris, what are the things that you are wrestling with right now? And I said, okay. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you then, this, these, are, these are some weak points for me, these are my vulnerabilities, is that I have a fear of public humiliation. It's, it's been with me from a very young age. I've, I have been public, publicly humiliated in Canterbury before all of my peers when I was working in the outdoor industry. Front page of the press. Here's this beautiful picture of me abseiling a young person without a helmet on their head. Front page of the press. And I got all sorts of, there were letters to the editor and I got people sending me letters and you know, it was just like public humiliation. Okay? I'd made a mistake and the whole of my peers were seeing it. Okay? And there's been a few other things where in my life I've just been publicly humiliated. Uh, generally just from mistakes. Um, and so I, I have realised that actually something that was starting to get in me was that I was starting to hear these words from the enemy. It's like, oh, you know, when you're the guy just having a crack with a gelato shop was one thing, but the community's really noticing you now. And now you're getting all this other, other you're getting this negative reviews and, you know, what if this fails? And he just started to hone in there. He started to get some flaming arrows in. And some of those flaming arrows were starting to eat me up. And then uh, I have this absolute fear of financial failure. If anybody relate, <laughs> I don't think it's a, it's a truly unique one to me. Um, but I just, I, I just hate the thought of not being able to pay my bills. It just, yeah, 
It, it, for me, it's not just, a, oh, that would be pain. It was actually, you know, that's an unbearable feeling uh, for me. Um, and then the other one that I hate is, uh, um, is that someone would label me a poor leader. Because it's been a big part of my life. It's what I've trained myself in. It's what I've studied. I, I love good leadership. Um, and I started to find these attacks coming from within inside the walls and people trying to pull me down as a leader. And, uh, and, and that, started to, uh, that has started to eat me up. Um, and then the uh, fourth one was that uh, I just would not want to be labelled as a mean person. Because um, I kind of, you know, because I'm not highly empathetic. I really wish I was. I really try to be. Let me give you an example. If you get car sick, don't come to me for empathy. Okay, well, I'm, just not, I'm just not there. If you, if you get car sick and you want to get over getting car sick, I'm right there. You know, I could just, there was a few things I used to say to people before they hopped on my plane on a turbulent day that would stop them getting sick. I don't want to clean up sick in my plane. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not, you know, I'm not going to be there with you when you're on the side of the road in the Lewis Pass and you're being sick. I'm just going to be like, well, you should have listened to what I said. <laughs> I know I'm losing some of you here, eh? You're just like, yeah. If you want to get over car sickness, I can give you three points that will really help you. Cool. If you want to live with car sickness, well, you know, so I've got to keep going, eh? Because yeah, see, see, that's, <laughs> but, but my gift is actually getting people out of being stuck. I'm not, I'm not the like Ruth is a nurse. Okay, so she can be there with people in the hurt and feel stuff that I can't feel. Okay, you just tell a story, and Ruth will start to cry about it. I'm not that person. Okay, but the flip side of that is that I. You know, I have wrestled with actually feeling like I'm a meanie sometimes. And I started to find that the enemy was really attacking me in that area. And God said, okay, Chris, where do you put a shield? You put it where the attacks are coming from the enemy. He's like, so get your shield over onto your vulnerabilities. And he's like, don't you love it when Jesus says something? You're like, you know, that's a great idea. Now, you know, I can use that. Yeah, I don't know. You've probably read the armor of God half a million times like I have. Have you ever thought about that? Actually putting the shield of faith, the, the, the substance that helps you to go forward and do good works, right in the place where the arrows of the enemy are coming? Think about it. I found it really helpful. That's why I wanted to tell you about it today. Um, so I started to... Work through some of that. I went, okay, fear of public humiliation. Okay, faith comes by from hear, hearing and hearing from, the, from the, the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. So the substance that I've got, I want to keep advancing and doing handiworks and keep my focus up there rather than fighting fires. I need to get my shield where I'm being shot at in my vulnerability here what do I need? And he, he went, well, Chris, what did I say to you when you decided to start a gelato shop? Whatever I put my hand to, you will bless. He's like, okay, well, there's your shield. Every time the enemy tries to say, you know, this is going to fail, you're going to be humiliated publicly, whatever I put my hands to, he will bless. I feel like I've got a I cannot fail ticket. 
You know, like when you play video games or something and you get invincibility? It's kind of like, I, it's how I feel. I'm just like, okay, as long as I'm partnering with God and I've heard clearly that this is the next step for us, I can't fail. That's, re- that's really cool. Bang! Take that fiery arrow. Financial fear. He took me and he said, Chris, what does it talk about? Uh, with the, the word that I gave you when you're coming back to New Zealand is that um, the, that whole water flowing out of the temple and trees down beside it. Where's that? That's somewhere in the Bible way. Um, that whole thing. Someone help me. You're, you're a better. Thank you. Ezekiel's River. Yes. Okay. See, these guys are better theologians than me. Um, and yeah. <laughs> Josh, where's that with pride? Um, What does it say? That the fruit trees will bear fruit every month. The finances are looking a bit down. COVID, there's another COVID alert. You know what happens when COVID happens? Everyone stops going out and eating out and stuff like that. Bang, the fruit trees will bear fruit every month of the year. Take that, fiery arrow. Being a poor leader. God gave me a cool one with this. He was actually, Chris, actually some people don't like the fact that you are leading and you are dealing with some of their nonsense. It's like, oh, I like that. (laughs) Cool. And then he followed it up with, you have been anointed and you have been appointed and that is the territory that you are to take. Bang! Take that fire arrow. And then the, uh, the final big one where he just opened up to me, Chris, there is a time and a place where your skill set is needed and there is a time and a place where another's skill set is needed. Someone who's not feeling great and they're on the side of the road, a comforting arm around their shoulder is great. But also there's time to go, okay, let's get on top of this issue. As long as you're making sure that both are being covered, Chris, bang. There goes your answer to that fiery arrow. So, a humble person daily invites God into his life so he knows where to position his shield or her shield. We all have vulnerabilities. I've shared four of mine there with you today. We all have vulnerabilities. A humble person invites God into our day-to-day life so we know where to put that shield A humble person recognises that he can't do anything without this incredible gift of faith, this substance that he has been given. Humble person recognises that. And a humble person shares their sins with one another. A humble person opens up and says, hey, you know what? This is a vulnerability for me. Will you be part of my shield of faith? I love people that I can be real with and I can say this is my vulnerability and they'll point in and say you know what Chris yep you're getting attacked on that but that's a pack of lies that's not who you are man that's powerful or when I slip in a vulnerability and they go well let's pray you know Jesus isn't sitting there pointing out that you're he wants you seated in heaven he's seated you in heavenly places Let's polish that off and get you seated back up there. I hope that is helpful to you today.
I really do. I haven't sought to come here today with wise and persuasive words, but I've just wanted to bring a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and I, I hope that's cut through. So I want us to take a moment just because I'm, I'm I, look, you know what I care about more than anything? I care about you guys going out this week, being able to just shift a couple of shields and keep advancing. Because I'm pretty sure that's what you guys are about. And so I care more than me now praying for you and looking good because you might fall over. I actually care about this meaning something. So as these guys just start to play, I just want you to ask God, you may already know, I just want you to bring before him a vulnerability. Just a vulnerability. And then I want you to ask him for how your shield could be positioned to protect you from the flaming arrows getting in at that vulnerable point. Is that cool? Just let's, let's take, let's take five minutes. Is that all right? Let's take five minutes and, let, and let's just have you and you and God. We got time? We got time. And I'm just going to stay up the front and I'm just going to pray for you as you, as you do that.